All right, cool. Cool. Um, yeah, let's get started. All right, awesome. All right, so here we are, and uh, I don't know, I guess uh, first episode, so I guess I'll jump into uh, Welcome, uh, Portrait Squad podcast number one. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what to expect. This is going to be kind of a trial run. We'll see how things go. I'm um, just kind of expecting this to be more of kind of like a laid back, just chat between the two of us and talking about yourself, your background, your history, as well as just maybe some industry stuff and trends and uh, absolutely. things we find interesting and things we don't find interesting, maybe things that annoy us, pet peeves, whatever. I'm yes. sure we can, uh, you know, find some a lot things of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's something new I wanted to do for the for the Portrait Squad channel. There's so many, like we were talking about off camera earlier, you know, there's just a, a ton of feature pages out there for portraits and, um, you know, like... I just don't want to be another one that just does nothing but repost people's work and that's it. Like, that's fine and all. It gets people some more exposure. Um, I enjoy doing it. I'm the only one who runs Portrait Squad and I just do it because I find it fun. And, yeah. you know, it's it's fun finding new artists and finding, you know, underrated portrait photographers and trying to get them out there and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, I want to take things to another level and start doing a podcast, start to get them to know more about the artists behind the work, right. including not just the photographers, but also the models, makeup artists, whoever goes into doing the shoot and... Yeah, just learn more about everybody and you know their work and and go from there. But oh, that's great. But yeah, um, I guess to get started, like uh, I don't know, give us a little bit more background about yourself. How did you uh, get started with portrait photography? I guess if you want to introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Ed Sochaki. I am a photographer based off of uh, based out of Palos Heights, uh, Illinois. Um, the kind of journey uh, to becoming a photographer for me was. Uh, a really back-ended way. Uh, I've been in the marketing and advertising world since uh, 1996. Okay. Uh, started off uh, working down in the West Loop of Chicago, right across from Harpo Studios over at Ambrosian Associates. Oh, okay, cool. At the time, we were the world's largest retail catalog house. So okay. we had everything from Saks Fifth Avenue, Herbergers, Yonkers, Parisian, Kmart, Sears, um, Harry and David. It, it, it was a back in the day when you used to get those direct mail catalogs. Oh, right, um, right, yeah. yeah, it st started it with that. Do, yeah, but yeah uh, not as much as it used much, to be, yeah. but it ca Chicago for the longest time was the central hub was for, for So we have Chicago catalogs. to blame for all that junk mail that we used to throw away. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, That's... or the internet, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so right. I started off as a designer, um, was a designer for a year and a half. Then I got into the production and uh, print production and management side of things. Uh, was operations manager over there. I had a uh, staff of 24 designers, six proofreaders, three image coordinators, and uh, we worked very closely with our account executives and then our photography studio, which was, uh, we had three buildings on the same block. Um, the company at the time had 200 photographers. Oh shit, that's a lot, um, okay. I had never touched a camera in my life. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask you, yeah. Were you doing any photography yeah, back no, then or no? No, okay. no, um, matter of fact, my first experience or you know, my first foray into a camera was the week before my wife and I got married and, well, not before we got married, but before we went on our honeymoon, um, I picked up a Canon EOS. Okay. And uh, so I had that, took that on the trip and I, didn't really know much about okay. anything, yeah. but I got some really cool shots, and that was great. And then everything sat. Uh, tried using it for sports, but kind of hard when I was playing semi-pro ball at the time. Um, okay. So I had to hand the camera to you know another teammate, and yeah, yeah, photos yeah. turn out awful. So, um, <laughs> but then once I had kids, um, you know, started taking more portraits of them um, to the point where now they won't even let me take their photo. Right. 
But I was also involved uh, with a lot of high school athletics and um, did a lot of football, baseball, basketball games okay. and things like that. Um, and you um, did those up until pretty recently, right? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, so everything for me as far as uh, portrait photography went, um, I was invited, this is uh, going back uh, 2000, well, no, or 19, so 2017, um, I got an invite to go to a shootout downtown over at Cinespace Studios. Right. And they had, there were about 20 models there, okay. and they invited a bunch of uh, photographers from the area. And I paid my $600, and I'm like, well, I've never shot portrait photography or anything like yeah. that. Um, but I was invited to that, and I had set up, and I, at the time I had maybe two speed lights and a strobe set up, and I got some really good shots and really positive feedback from the models okay. that were at the event. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of immediately transpired into, okay, we'll come into the studio, let's shoot here. Um, and then I, there, there was something about portrait photography for me that... Um, you know, you're telling a story, right? And you know, the, the models that you work with or the subjects—it it doesn't necessarily have to be a model, but the people that you were working with, everybody has a different face and a different expression, right? And for me, what was a big draw was that uh, using the lighting, right? You'd right. be able to shape and contour the face. Um, so I started gravitating more and more to strobe photography. Okay, interesting. Um, so. And especially in the studio. Uh, the big game changer for me was one day I decided to take the speed lights out and I bought one of those three bracket systems and uh, mounted all three of the speed lights uh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. bracket and okay. I took it outside during the middle of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And popped a shot in that. what was heavy shadow and uh, really harsh light right at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And first shot I got, I just looked at it and I go, holy cow, this is a whole You get that level. super high dynamic range where it looks like it's something photoshopped. And, yeah, 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 you know, you're, you don't get the raccoon eyes, right, yep. you're balancing that chatter and you still have, you know, you're able to flip your subject around into the sun yep. and you've got enough power to overpower that or at least create a fill right. light. Yeah, and then for um, me, I've always noticed too, there's something about the sharpness too when you're using the off-camera writing. It seems like it just pulls so much more sharpness out of the image. And yeah. for me, that's always been a big part of off-camera lighting that I really enjoy too. It's, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that the color saturation um, yes. that you get, yeah. uh, you know, the, that dynamic range, yep. it's just so much more pronounced. It is, And yeah. there's less editing on the Oh, for sure. Thing. There's definitely been times when I'm like, I'll pull an image off of a shoot, and especially I've noticed, it, especially when I shoot midday for some reason, that it almost feels like you don't even have to edit it. Like you throw a little, a few points of contrast in it, and you're like, that's all I need. Like it's already there. Yeah. And like, and sometimes it's, it feels like that's. All, I usually do more than that. <laughs> I usually don't stop at that. But oh, sure. sometimes you look at it, and you're like, compared to something that you know, you know, you would normally spend an hour editing, and then you you pull it off the camera and you you know hit a couple things in Lightroom, and next thing you know, like, damn, that's all I have to do. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny because um, you know people think that I'm. Uh, not a natural light shooter and mm -hmm. you know i i love natural light sure but the reality of natural light is you are at the mercy of where that light is during that time of the exactly, day exactly yeah and there's and for me there's no creativity behind that yep. um you can put somebody in front of a window prop them up there and you know that you've got a three o'clock sun coming well okay that's great but what if you want to flip it around you know you can't do that right. um i've uh yeah, you're definitely very limited in your compositions. Like you, you, yeah. wherever the light's coming from, it's fixed. You can't pick it up. You can't move that window. If it's a neon light hanging in some shop, storefront window, it's it's fixed there. You can't move it. Yeah. Right. Which which then leads you to the next thing is that like everything that you're seeing today, 
it's all been done. Um, yes. You know, a, a storefront window shot with the sun coming in, you can only see so many images in, you know, on Instagram. Yep. They get thousands of likes and that's great, but it's nothing different. Right. Um, so for me, I love going into abandoned locations. I shoot in yeah, Gary, yeah, yeah. Indiana yeah. a lot. No, it's definitely, if you go on your profile, you'll definitely see, like you shoot a lot in the studio and it seems like when you're out of the studio, it's more often than not, it's usually in some sort of abandoned location. And yeah, it's, and, it's you cool. know, and, like and there's no power. Right. Um, so I had to, maybe about a, a year ago, uh, invested in all uh, portable uh, lithium ion batteries for all my strobes. Right. Um, and that, you know, you're carrying probably about 150 pounds worth of gear around at these right. locations. And sometimes you're walking a mile to right. get in these buildings. Um, but when you're in these locations, it's pitch black. Right. And, you know, you've got the challenge of lighting your model. Yep. And then you have the challenge of looking at that background and yes. the scenery that's there yeah. and figuring out how you want to create something. Right, yeah, because sometimes you got to bring up that ambient lighting in those, in, in those conditions because there there is none. Like you're just shooting right. against pitch blackness even with a strobe if you're not lighting your background in some sort of way. Right, right. So the cool thing is is that you're able to bounce there and now now you're looking at what light modifiers you have and you know, it, you've got a beauty dish, you know, I'll bring 48 inch parabolics with me, I'll bring strip boxes and yeah. The whole studio comes with me when I go on location. Yeah. So it's, it, a lot of times it's two hours of packing, you know, three hours of shooting, and another hour and a half of packing. But so. you get a ton of, I mean, it, it opens up the possibilities though, because you never know what you're going to need when you get there or what sort of creativity is going to strike you when you get there. Right. And you might leave thinking like, well, no, I've got these shots planned. This is what I want to do. But then you get there and then, oh man, like that's what I really want to do. And then if you don't have that piece of gear, you're kicking yourself in the ass because you spent two hours packing all that gear and driving three hours to get there. It, it, and maybe sneaking <laughs> into a location that you shouldn't be in. And, right. and then, damn, like I didn't bring that trigger. I didn't bring that one light. I didn't bring that whatever. And yeah. It's, yeah, and then you yeah. know the situation, and, and that one thing that you decided to be lazy to not pack in the car is that one thing that ruins your entire day. Exactly, yeah. Like, we were just talking off-camera, like, how many times I, I showed up to a shoot, and I bring all my off-camera lights, all my strobes, all my flashpoint gear, and then I get there, and I forgot the damn trigger. I didn't put it in my camera bag, and now the one $40 piece is the one crucial crucial key or the link to firing all that gear, and now I don't have it. And maybe I've got, you know, a strobe with me or a speed light. I can pop in my camera and use that to control it, but... More often than not, I'm not bringing those if I'm thinking right. I'm going to mostly be using the strobe. And yeah, it kind of goes back to that gear or that idea of if you're going to pack that much weight and spend that much time packing and bring it, you might as well, I guess, bring everything. But yeah, but yeah, it's it's one of the definitely the downsides of shooting with uh, you know some sort of off-camera light is the gear you need and the potential for forgetting things and then the shoot not exactly being able to go as you planned. But um, I know for me, I definitely love the look of it. Um, like you were saying earlier, like the first time you went outside and like popped the strobe, like midday sun and got that, you know, that, you know, you look at the back of the camera and you're like, wow, this looks like something like out of Photoshop. This looks like something that's not even real. Like I didn't, like it looks just different than everything else that you're used to. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, <clears throat> cinematic lighting, yeah. you know, at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the first time you and I met was at a meetup. It was, and, yeah. And uh, we were down over at, uh, was it Ping Tom Park? Yeah. And, and and I remember I, I pulled up, uh, parked the car, and I had my son's red wagon. I filled it up with all my gear. <laughs> I remember that. Brought it in. Yeah. And they made the big announcement. There were, the models were all there, and I'm setting up my gear, and all of a sudden everybody up. And walks left. away, and I <laughs> go. I just got my softbox set up. I remember that because everybody took off, and 
went around and started shooting in different areas and then like maybe 45 minutes an hour later they decided okay like now's the time the group's gonna move over to it, the next location I, yeah and i walked by and you're still like nope fuck it i've already got my stuff yeah. set up i'm gonna keep shooting i've got my light dialed in actually i think at that point you're happy because like nobody's walking through your background yeah. anymore yeah so it, like, it, it was nice yeah. and then you know the and then the bad thing too is that now you're there at golden hour and everybody up and decides okay well sun's going down it's right. low lighting conditions and yeah, I was able to light up that entire pagoda that was out you there. You were, yeah, and that's where I ran back into you later in the evening yeah. on my way back, and I saw that, and that was kind of around the same time. I'd, I, you know, at that point, I'd maybe, I maybe, I definitely had my first drove. I had like one of the Flashpoint Explorers right. by then. Um, I don't think I had, I maybe had one Rotolite at that point, one of the little Neos. I was starting to use that as like an off-camera LED kind of at night. Um, but, you know, like for me, I was still very much early in that phase, and then I came by, and you had like, you had like three of these like Explore 600s, like yeah. two of them on the ground. You had like a bunch of like, you had like three or four like Neos going. You had like the two young Neo strip lights in the background. Yeah. And, like, and then you I had think... this incredibly elaborate system. And I was just like, okay, like I'm going to sit down here for a while and just watch this guy and see yeah. what he's up to. And, it, and yeah, that was the first time I met you. And, and I think that's where a lot of that experience. creativity. Yeah. And I think that's where like a lot of the fun side, the, yes. the creative side comes out. It's yeah. like, well, if I put this light here at the base, mm-hmm. I can shoot that straight up this pillar, right. and now I've got a column effect there, and then yep. I can take this and come around the side, and I've got my hair light on my model. Right. You're separating them from the subject, and then you still have enough illumination For there sure. so that it's not this immediate spill-off yep. where it's just a picture of somebody, and then it looks like somebody's got a giant vignette on it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and you keep talking about the creativity side of portrait photography, and like for myself, like that's how I definitely started to kind of get into it. Like I, I very much started just doing like the city thing and going downtown and shooting around Chicago and doing street photography, cityscape mm-hmm. stuff, kind of landscape-ish. And that's how I got into it. But then, you know, to a certain degree, there's only, there's certainly a creative element to it. You know, finding unique compositions, finding different places in the city that nobody else has been to, different angles on a similar location. There's definitely creativity that goes into it. But to a certain degree, you have a lot less control over it than what you would in a portrait photography location, like, or set up because in a lot of cases, you're just kind of at the whim of the weather. You're at the whim at the whim of the light of day, and yeah. a lot of forces that are just completely out of your out of your uh, control, or even just trying to find an interesting subject in the city to shoot. Um, you know, sometimes you're just sitting there for 30 minutes, an hour, waiting for somebody cool to walk by to yeah. make a shot. You know, because without a person there, it's just kind of boring and bland. But it's not until somebody moves into that scene that it becomes interesting, and and that's certainly very cool in its own right. But I really enjoyed the aspect of portrait photography where I could kind of come in and kind of shape the scene myself and right. and work with another person who's also creative and maybe come up with like a, a set design or a costume design or some sort of theme and and to me that's always very interesting especially the aspect of adding other people into it and their own creativity and like starting to build on top of that that's definitely something that like for myself I've always found very enjoyable about shooting portraits but. yeah now and and um, you know to that point um, you know a photographer is responsible for the lighting, uh, for the composition. At the same time, you know, the model that you're working with brings that element of creativity too. Right. Um, you know, I've worked with a number of the same models and I've worked with them a lot. Right. Um, and, you know, for me, I do that because when we're on location, the last thing you want is an unknown element as to, well, how do I like this model? Because right. everybody should be lit differently. Sure. Um, I like to go on location with the models that I work with and then so uh, no but for me having a known 
entity that I have worked with multiple times yep. and knowing exactly what they're going to do and what's going to come out of that shoot yep. makes that two hours of packing, the hour and a half of unpacking, dragging all that gear around, it, it makes it worth it to me yep. and it makes it that much easier to say, I'm going to pack this entire studio up and I'm going to spend an entire day right. with this person shooting, creating art. Yep. And because um, to a certain degree, you kind of know what to expect. You know what you're going to get. There's that, like you said, there's less of an unknown. You know that they know what they're doing. And right. You're not evaluating somebody for the first time and trying to build that rapport and build right. that back and forth. And yeah, you can just focus more on just having fun and actually doing the shoot itself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's all. That's all exactly kind of along the same lines of some of the same things I've experienced on my side of it. And and it's it's good stuff. I really I really enjoy all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean. As far as uh, jumping back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, like some of the other creative work you do, do you still do any of the other creative work outside of just photography? Or yeah, so I own a, a design marketing agency. Right. Um, so we do app development, uh, websites, uh, your traditional print multimedia stuff. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's uh, the entire Adobe Creative Suite. Um, the photography, the, the funny thing is, is I, I, I would shoot, uh, we develop and design websites for our clients. Yeah and they would provide me with really bad photos of their food. Yes. And I said, yep. well, gosh, you know, here's a really nice functioning website. Right, it's but, got a nice wrapper to it. Yeah, yeah. It, right, but these visuals don't go with that. Mm -hmm. And you know, what are they, you know, people purchase things with their eyes and right. they make decisions right away. Yep. You're better off having a website with no pictures on it right. than having a website with half-assed pictures on it. Uh, so I, I started doing uh, you know, some of the stuff with the food photography. Um, but you know, we still, uh, we actually just uh, last week created the, um, essentially it's the cannabis app for, uh, well, it's the Starbucks app of the cannabis business. Okay, um, the, my, my client, we've been working on it for two years. Mm -hmm. it, it launched um, on 420 last year. Uh, we had a major update nice. that came out uh, two weeks ago, okay. and uh, now it will be a nationwide available app. And dispensaries, as dispensaries come on board, right. individuals can load their card and uh, you know essentially purchase their medical medicinal marijuana uh, using that. Which means okay. you know it's safer for everybody because they don't have to carry around um, a bunch of cash on right. hand. It's safer yeah, yeah. for the dispensaries because they're not storing that cash. But um, yeah. Uh, but the app development's been a big thing, and so um, I, I don't know when the podcast will come out, but if it's within a week, we're going to have, um, we had been working for the past year and a half. Matter of fact, everything I've been shooting yep. um, has all been geared around a new app called um, Agency, um, and it's the Agency app, and it's for models, photographers, hair and makeup artists, right. um, <clears throat> and stylists uh, to collaborate with. Okay. So, uh, you know, Instagram is limiting. It's not really the best tool to communicate with individuals. Uh, we have project planning in there. There's right. networking. Uh, if you ever showed up at a shoot and, you know, all of a sudden you don't have a model or the photographer right. flakes, uh, what's nice about the app is you can find photographers that are near you or models near you, work with them, collaborate. Um, and then we'll have uh, tutorials on there, and uh, there's a magazine component to it as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a very 
very well-rounded aspect. Like, there's definitely been some areas out there, some other websites who have tried kind of doing something that sounds like similar, but it sounds like you're definitely looking to kind of take this to the next level. I mean, it sounds like uh, this is going to be a much more thought-out process by somebody who's actually in, the, actually in the industry and actually cares about Yeah, uh, you know, like for, yeah. for me, I, I came from the creative side, but then yep. also from the operation side. I was also an account executive at a design firm, so I was... Yep. Um, doing account coordination and, and account management. And, you know, we used to hire photographers and I would deal with my clients all the time. And right. so you'd be translating back and forth and the client has this need or that need. Um, take small businesses or mid-sized businesses, for example. That's mm -hmm. um, a very underserved market. Yeah. And, you know, we have so many photographers and models running around shooting and creating content for Instagram to make money off of, yep. yet nobody is benefiting off of that. Mm -hmm. um, this app is designed for the small business user or the mid-sized business user to say, hey, I have a product, I'm right. looking for a photographer, I'm looking for a model, right. and then essentially build a team right there. Okay, and, and pull all those different uh, you know, hire together, a team, yeah, yeah and, and you can put your team together on the spot, and then that team, once it's put together, uh, payments can go through the app. Um, okay, wow. You know, this way you don't have yep. to worry about showing up and somebody not having money. Right. They can move that money over to them and th that money gets dispersed over to the individual. Wow, okay, wow. That's actually incredibly interesting. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this as it comes out because it sounds like it's something that pretty much anybody who's looking to set up shoots would definitely be be looking to use or it could at least uh, benefit from in some Well, degree, and, so. and even just finding somebody yeah. that suits yeah. your style. Uh, we have categories in there. So yeah. there's portrait photography, corporate photography, yeah. we have product photography. Yeah. Um, there's even a section in there for pets. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you're a photographer that has, uh, you're multidisciplined, yeah. you're going to be able to find those projects that are out there for you. Now, right. granted, it's going to take a lot to get these small businesses on there, but I think yeah. if um, you know we're working heavily on marketing that right. once it comes out, and we're going to be going around to these small businesses. But yeah. one of the reasons that I've been working with so many models as frequently and shooting as often as I have been is to kind of build that entire portfolio of content right. for that app. Yeah, that makes and that makes a lot of sense. And this is something that you're doing in, in conjunction with somebody else, or is this just entirely? On this is me and my uh, partner um, okay. that is on the uh, design side of okay. the uh, the business. So okay. it's my same partner that we did the uh, the app for the cannabis industry. Okay, cool. So oh, um, cool. big networking. We we have uh, over 14, uh, we have 15 apps now in the app store. Oh, wow, we put no out in the last three years. Oh, shit. But yeah, this no one idea. is a big networking one. It's yep. a creative one. This is a pet project of mine that yep. I've been working on. And it's on almost done. You said or it should be out pretty soon, or is it already out? I, um, well, we just went through beta on it and okay. it is likely going to be bundled up over this weekend and submitted to apple so we're hoping that next week it'll be in the store wow available. okay so that's coming up real quick yeah yeah i just finished the uh, skins on the, uh, the the home page and the intro screen so that's all put together now all right that's awesome so uh once that's out and done i mean obviously there's gonna be a lot of maintenance a lot of kind of keeping up with it but um, anything planned for once this app sounds like this has probably been taking up quite a bit of your time. Do you have anything uh, kind of on the backside of that? Any other big plans? Are you any new well, big projects to kind of fill shoes once that one's done? Well, I, you know, once that's out, um, I, I started kind of eliminating some of my more marketing-focused uh, clients okay. uh, to focus more on the photography side of things. Yeah. Um, training for me is something you know I. I Field a lot of questions on Instagram. Oh, I'm more than happy yeah. to ask, yeah. you know, answer questions that yep. photographers have. 
Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with lighting. Well, yeah, that's definitely so, very, yeah, your style is heavily kind of influenced by that for sure. And a lot of people seem very confused by lighting and they don't really know where to begin. It seems you like know, a lot of and, and the thing is, it's not that hard. It's like, um, you know, I, I tell everybody, um, I haven't been shooting for that long. And the thing is, is you have to, as an artist, not be afraid to try something new. Right. And then when you try something new, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Of course, yeah. Um, you know, don't get frustrated and say, oh, well, this didn't turn out and I'm going to throw the speed light out. Um, there's things that you can learn. And, and there's a technical side. I'm, yeah, I always take those quizzes and those tests like, are, are you ENFJ, right. whatever. I always land... 48%, 52%, or I'm right down that middle. Yep. Lighting for me is technical, mm -hmm. but it's also creative. Sure it is, um, yeah. So it's that combination of the two, and I think that's why I'm driven to strobes and artificial lighting as much as I am. Yeah. Um, and even these days now, even with LEDs. Right. Um, but what I want to do is the models that have worked with me that have been extremely dedicated and put a lot of time in, mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to make sure that they succeed Yep. Um, I want to work with them and help them get more paying gigs, and that's what this entire app is about. You know, it's it's not just for photographers. Um, it, the industry in Chicago, especially, is really upside down right now. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of creatives have been taken a, a you know advantage of. Right. And so I kind of want to use this app as a way to right the ship on that. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, so you mentioned earlier, you were talking about uh, training, um, and I know recently you did your first workshop, um, you kind of did one around Christmas, kind of want to jump into that a little bit. Yeah. So, how did that go, and what was that all about, and uh, you know, it, do you any more of that? I certainly plan on it. Um, the space that I have here is probably maximized as much as possible. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it was really messed up. Anybody that's shot in here knows that it was very cramped quarters mm -hmm. uh, prior to the event. Um, I had... Uh, Sophia uh, Ornadas, uh, she's Sophia1 underscore XOXO. Yeah, I'll link to her uh, down below. Yeah, she um, came in for a week straight and worked with me getting the uh, place in order. And uh, a lot of stuff went into storage. Okay. Uh, we cleaned the place up. We were able to have five models here. Okay. Um, I had six photographers and we ran two sessions. Um, so everything was set up. We had a Christmas tree set up. We had. Um, four different stations that people were able to shoot at and then everything was lit um, using LEDs and a couple of people brought some flash in and I had my flash available if yeah, anybody yeah. wanted to use it. But the big thing was with that space, you couldn't have the big modifiers up there. Right. Um, but it worked out well. Uh, I think the people that attended the event um, got some great shots. We had yeah. some wonderful models. We had three, uh, actually four published models that okay. were here all day with us. Um, Photos that uh, the individuals were posting turned mm -hmm. out really nice. Awesome. They were very happy with it. Yeah. This was just a straight shooting right. you know, uh, okay. event, um, so there was no education okay. side of that. But um, going forward, uh, certainly plan on doing more uh, targeted events where we'll be tackling you know, one light setups, maybe two light setups, right here, yeah. or even three. Yep. Uh, so you know, composition is something that you can look at a book and talk about, but yep. um, creating light, dynamic light that yep you know, in all situations is uh, something that I think if more people understood and knew, uh, the price of gear isn't what it used to be for no, sure. Not at all. It's definitely come down quite a bit, especially with some brands like Flashpoint who are yep. producing, in my opinion, I mean, I've never used uh, pro photo equipment, but when I compare them on spec sheets, like it's hard to justify spending four or five times the right. amount that you would where, 
you know, like, okay, yeah, maybe breaks, so what, buy four more. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, and, and, and I, I'll tell you, I've been on location, especially taking the stuff outside. You put a big 40-inch or 48-inch parabolic on it, and right. that is at the mercy of the wind. And yes. with assistance and no assistance, or even with sandbags, yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll go. I've, oh, yeah. I've lost a couple of strobes to Lake Michigan <laughs> I've lost summer. one to, uh, I was doing a, an engagement shoot with uh, my very first Explorer 600, and this was, I had it for a while, but at that point I already had it for about a year, but... Um, it was the first one I ever owned, and uh, I had it set up. There was no wind whatsoever. I had it on a C-stand. It felt like it was pretty good. It had a, one of the Westcott Rapid Box XLs yep. on it. And uh, over in Lincoln Park, there's that little lily pond that's over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and then out of nowhere, one, one gust of wind came and took it, and it took a dip in the pond, and that was the end of that light. And the worst part about it is I let it dry out. I threw in a bucket of sand, or not sand, but a bucket of uh, rice for yep. a couple of days. Pulled it back out, put the battery in it, and, like, everything worked except the actual strobe. Like, even the modeling lamp worked. Put a new bulb in it, still nothing, like... Everything on that worked, like the LCD worked, like the beeps worked, I'd fire it, it would beep oh, wow. and trigger. And like the only thing that it wouldn't do is flash, which is the one thing you needed to do as Right. I had know, uh, strobe, that happened to a 200 with mine, and I did the same thing. It fell mm -hmm. in the water, immediately took it up. Matter of fact, the flash went off under the water, and I thought oh, for sure yeah. it was gone. Yeah. Um, immediately took the battery out, put it in a thing of rice, and it, it sat there for a week. It was really hard not to want to touch it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, I pulled it out and it, it it's been fine. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. I have had one of the strobes go down. Yeah. I hit off of a rock mm. and uh, the battery shattered. Oh no. Water replacement battery. Yeah. But the high speed sink is now off. Oh. Um, so yeah. I had to go in and mark that um, that specific strobe which is sitting over there because yep. I'll set up in the studio and all of a sudden I'm looking at my power ratios and I'm right. like, why is this not, like why something is, is off. Yeah, oh, yeah. It took me a while to figure out that it was actually yep. the high speed sync that was off. Because in the studio here with those 600s, mm -hmm. I'll shoot at one 250th, one right. 5,000th of a second because it's yep. too much power for in here. Because mm -hmm. uh, even at, you know, one 128th power, yeah. um, you know, and, it's a lot I'm also yeah. shooting like, you know, F1.4, right, 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 yeah. Yep. Um, it's still too much. It is. So, yep. um, but yeah, the the equipment now you can pick up a 600 watt strobe from Flashpoint or Godox, yep. and uh, you know it's 600 700 dollars. Yeah. Um, the Pro Photo, uh, you're looking at what is it 26 yeah, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I always talk about people, or I talk to people about is like, you know, when you look at the the cost of investment to get into it. I mean, you're you're spending two grand, three grand on a camera. You're spending, you know thousand dollars two thousand dollars per lens and you've got multiple lenses and you talk about all that money that you're investing in a camera system and you then you come back and you're like yeah but lighting gear is so expensive it's like for a grand like not even you can right. get yourself a single light setup you can get yourself a two light setup you know with an explorer 600 and yeah. a good westcott rapid box or you know one of the you know the adorama branded ones whatever it may be even a cheap one off of amazon yeah. and then get yourself like an 8200 or whatever and you've got a two light setup you can do so much with that oh I, a few hundred dollars you know and you tell people that and like even look at the the cost of speed lights yeah, yeah, today you, cost a you, speed you lights. can get a good speed light for 80 dollars yeah absolutely um, you, get one of the young you know and, and i tell trigger. everybody i go look i said if you're going to get it do not get the ttl version you're throwing right. money away yeah and you know that ttl acts as a crutch for people that you know, look, you can put it on the camera and immediately fire something and get something usable yes. out of that. But it's preventing you from learning what yep. your power ratio should right. be and what you can do with that. And, um, and I think for know, a lot of people just new to it, it can be frustrating because then they, they take a shot and then it's not the same as the last one they took. And then they're confused. Right. That's all. Well, the camera metered it slightly differently right. and that metering, like it threw the, it gave a different flash value. And then they're, I think 
more than anything, it confuses people more than it does to try to help them, if that makes any sense. Oh, no, well, absolutely, yeah. and it depends on what metering system you're using, too, right? You mm -hmm. know, some people will go center point or right. they'll go wide. Yep. And it, it, so yeah. if they don't understand what is actually happening with that gear, that, right. that's why, it, just go manual, save, yep. Yep, save yep, yourself. Yep. I know with the 600, the difference between a TTL version and non-TTL version is $150. Yeah, that's, you're saving quite a bit there. I mean, that price right there, you can easily invest into a good quality, like 36-inch Octobox from, from yep. Adorama, and that's, that's that cost right there just by taking out the TTL, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, that gives you more creativity with things. It does, yeah. And so speaking of gear, um, you're a Sony shooter, right? I am. Yeah. Um, so let's see, three... Everybody loves talking about gear. Everybody loves hearing yeah. about gear. So yeah, I figured... Yeah, uh, three years on. ago, um, I, I came from Nikon. I uh, yep. was uh, still on a crop sensor D7100 at the time, um, which was nice. And I had some really nice glass, uh, but it was a crop sensor. Yep. Uh, the A6000 came up. Yes. And I said, well, gosh, I don't want to carry around all of this stuff. And the 6000 had that little small little lens, yeah. and it was so light. I'm like, well, I can throw that in the pocket and yeah. just use it for my kids. Sure. So the day that I got it, I took it out, and I was with my son over at the park. Started taking some photos. I go, holy crap. The, the, the speed of the focus yeah. was something out of this world. Right. And, when you're coming, and keep in mind too that that was one of the first mirrorless cameras out there. It was, there. yeah, yeah. And you compare that to a D7100, even with a f2.8 lens, right? The focus speed was like ten times faster, right? And, and it more, wasn't missing a shot. And more focus points. Yeah. And you're actually seeing what you're going to get beforehand. And yeah. I'm looking at well, that was the one thing that was the hardest thing to get used to. Uh, the A6000 had a little blackout issue, okay. you know. Yeah. So. Uh, for portraits or shooting a little kid or a pet is great. Yeah. But then I took it the next day, and I'm like, well, I'm going to bring this out to a football game. Sporting, yeah, okay, yeah. And so I'm out there, and now I rented the uh, 70 to 200 lens. Right. And I've got it on there, and I'm looking through this thing and looking at my shots, and I go, well, the guy with the football is all the way out over here, and I'm just getting his legs. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So it did take some adjustment to get yeah, used yeah, yeah. to. Um, but then right after that 6000 came out, they announced the uh, A7R2. Right, yep. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to get the yeah, R2. Yeah, yeah. And so I returned the 6000, jumped straight over to the R2. Problem was, there was only one lens out. Yeah. And, that and was the a, lens yeah. that I was shooting was for the APS-C version. Right, okay. So, so I had yeah. a 35 Zeiss, <laughs> and that was the only thing I had for five months. Right. And uh, finally... They started yeah. coming out with more and more. Yeah, so you jumped into Sony in the very early days before they even had a whole lot of, before they started to fill out their lens lineup then. And yeah, and I don't even know if they really had any good adapters back then. And even if they did, you were on Nikon anyway. So it, trying to buy it, Right, right. So I, I, I purchased, so yeah. here, now the funny story about that is um, I did have a 70 to 200 Nikon lens and yep. I had the Metabones adapter, mm -hmm. which for Nikon, there was no autofocus. Right. I went and I took that R2, and for three months, I shot basketball and football with the focus peaking on. Oh. And I had so many incredible shots shooting sports manually. That's nuts. Looking at the back of the screen with the focus peaking on. That's, that's nuts. And that was a game changer, just to be able to know that I'm shooting with a non-native lens in manual focus, and I'm getting these shots. Right. So the second that that... Um, 7200 came out and yep. all of the Nikon lenses came out I or uh, the Sony, Sony lenses yeah. came out I hopped on it and I went straight to the G Master yeah uh, was expensive as hell yeah, uh, yeah but the sure. quality off of those G Masters the, the 85 G Master is a dog yeah you know as far as speed goes but 
But the rendering, it's, a big lens. it's, it's, it's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I, uh, I still don't have that lens myself. I'm still shooting in the 85 1.8, but even that lens I've been more than happy with. I had the 85 1.8, still have it for Canon. Uh, and that's, the 85 has always been a go-to lens for me, especially for portrait photography. There's just something about it. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, like, when I start a portrait shoot, I tend to start tight and work my way back. Yep. Um, and for me, like, I feel like with an 85, it's like one, it's one of those lenses, like, it's almost impossible to take a bad shot with it. Um, especially depending if you've got your lighting set up and you're working with a good model, like, it's almost impossible to take a bad shot. Yeah. And for me, like, it's always a great feeling when you can go into a shoot and, like, start off the shoot with, like, you know, a good dozen photos that you're like, oh, fuck yeah, I love these. And know that, like, everything from, from that point on is just gravy. You know? I'll take, I'll take, um, <clears throat> so I have the 20 millimeter, Zeiss, the 35 G Master, the 55 uh, 1.8, yes. the 85 G Master, and then the 100 millimeter um, G Master, the, the smooth STF trans. Or, yeah, oh, the, okay. So I got the STF lens, and it's like, ooh, well, that's closer to an F4 that you're shooting with. Yeah. And the thing was, okay, so if you're taking that outdoors, you're going to have enough light anyways, and I'm dragging those strobes around. Right. I have no problem going with that lens. So my go-to lens on location is always the 100 millimeter. Really? Okay. And I, and And I, I love the 85, don't yeah. get me wrong, but that 100 millimeter, even at F4 rating, right. is way faster than the 85 at F1.4. Is it? it just in, ter in terms of focus, you mean? Oh, yeah, okay. just to focus. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. Um, and then... You're using the strobes anyway, so, right. it, so you're never lacking in power, and I right. just love the way the subjects come out at that yeah, yeah. lens. Yeah. I'm waiting for that 135. That's, I keep waiting for it, too. I've been hearing rumors that Sony's going to be coming out, or Zeiss, or whoever it's going to be. I think it's Sony. Well, Zeiss came out with that joke, 135-28, which okay. makes no sense. Right. Why, Why you've got Sony already has a 70-200-28. Right. Who in their right mind is going to go buy a 28 you know, right. prime and lens. Especially for whatever cost. Oh, it, it was sure ridiculous. Cheap, they yeah. had to drop it $400. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm that, definitely, that I'm, I'm waiting. the biggest joke lenses of the year. I'm waiting for that 135 as well. I was tempted to maybe buy the Canon version because I do have the adapter for Canon mm -hmm. and maybe get the 135. They've got an F2, I think. Um, I was thinking about maybe getting that just because I would love to have that long focal range. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I've been thinking about maybe getting it for weddings because I do a fair number of weddings. And to be honest, like I love the 70 200. It's a great lens. But damn, if that thing ain't big and weigh a lot. And, it's, and we were carrying a bag on your back the entire day it's a lot of weight to be lugging around and for me like it'd be great to have that you know that 135 and then you know put it on either an a7 III or an a7r3 and then just use it like you know use the, the a7r3 in like yep. a APS-C mode yep. and like you just punch in and you basically get the equivalent 205, of yeah. yeah like a 200 mil and then you don't have to carry you lose all that flexibility in between but you're also saving a ton of weight and well, for me personally i've never had that issue where like oh man i just needed that in between like a couple steps back, a couple steps forward, and usually right. good enough. Well, and you yep. know, if, if you've got the R3, you've got 42.2 megapixels anyways. Mm -hmm. So going into that APS-C mode, just yep. to get that quick little zoom in yep. there, it's still the 20, 21 yep. whatever oh, plus Oh, for sure, megapixels. yeah. I mean, it's not as crisp as, you know, a full-on, you know, full-frame camera, you know, shot. But, I mean, for the most part, like, you look at it, like, unless you're pixel peeping, and even if you are, honestly, like, it's still fine. Like, for in, in most cases, it's still a great shot. And, like, I've never had anybody complain. I've never been... I've never had anybody say, well, I don't know, that shot, it, it's really beautiful. It captures Did you hit the, the zoom button on that? Yeah, it's, it's a really no. great shot. I love the emotion in it. I love that you got it nice and tight, but it seems a little soft. Like, nobody's ever said that. Like, yeah. they, they love it. So, I mean, for me, it's, uh, it's a great option. It's, uh, it's something I definitely want to, I'd love to have. I'd love to have that option. Right now, I do with the 85, so I get the equivalent of, like, a 135, mm -hmm. 140, um, which ain't bad, but I'd love to have that little bit of extra room for it. Yeah, for sure. that, that's been the one 
lens, like uh, as far as what is coming next for me, that that 135 is sitting yep. there. There's money set aside for that, and, <laughs> and I've been waiting for the past year. Yeah, well, like the it, the A7S three, people have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. They've been talking about it for the last year. Everybody keeps thinking it's me the next big. You know, the next big show is going to be they're going to launch it, and then yeah, this thing that, Kina, yeah. yeah, or even just a couple of days ago when the whole live thing went, I saw a bunch of people on Facebook like, "Oh, here it comes, here it comes," and then yeah. uh, it was the no. A6400, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> denied once again, and Sony's just sitting back like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're trying to fine tune it or if they're trying to like go and swing for the uh, fences and throw some really big features in it, and they're just having some difficulty getting it to, to be at that level that they want it. I don't know, but yeah, well, and you know, you're a Canon guy or a company you came from Canon, came from Canon yeah, you know. They, Canon and Nikon, both came out with their mirrorless cameras. Now, I remember when Sony came out with theirs, the big knock was no lens, no lens, no lens. Yes. And what does Canon do and what does Nikon do? They release their products with no lens. Yeah, especially and, Nikon, in my opinion. I think they really kind of blew it. Like, especially even when you look at the roadmap, you're like, what the fuck are you thinking? And they're what? talking about this big, giant, gaping hole in their camera to let in all this light. And then their, their next roadmap for the next two to three years is all in like 1.8 right. lenses. And it's yeah, like, I think I think that what is it? There's just the 0.9 that they have yeah, that they they're talking about. Like, that, that's three, four years off. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're talking about how you have the advantage, and that's all you got. Like, Sony's already got those. And they don't even have I mean, they're the, not Sony Im lenses, the but image stabilization isn't in there on... Uh, I think on the Nikon they've got uh, what is it? I think they've got three axis. Right. Uh, okay. Well, one doesn't have remember. the eye focus, and then the yeah, other yeah, one yeah. doesn't have the image stabilization. So it's like, come yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Canon had better offerings with their lenses. I'm still not happy with the camera. Everybody compares their EOS R to like a, a mirrorless 5D. Mm -hmm. I don't see that. To me, it's a it's a mirror or it's a mirrorless 6D because it's got the one memory card slot. Uh, in terms of the number of megapixels it has, I feel like it's totally, it's absolutely a mirrorless 6D camera. And everybody's waiting for the mirrorless 5D version to come out. And now the rumor is it's going to be 100 megapixels. And honestly, for me, like if you're, if I'm not shooting professional, great, it's got two memory cards now, which I'm guessing it will. But at 100 megapixels, I'm not going to use that for a wedding. Right. I'm not going to use that for any sort of work <laughs> where I'm going to be shooting more than 100 megapixels. shooting two weddings a year and still processing the images. Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, I literally, I mean, I'd need some supercomputer in order, I mean, not, yeah. obviously not. But I mean, the file sizes just be so ridiculous. And I'm sure they'll have a way to compress them, like compressed raw. Um, but even still, I don't know, 100 megapixel files, even a compressed raw version, they're probably still going to be 50, 60 megapixels. Well, and pop that into files. Photoshop, yep. throw a couple layers on there, and now you've got yep. a half a gig photo yep. that you're trying to retouch. Yeah, it's, it's so, nuts. So um, I don't know, Canon just keeps kind of, they keep jumping from one extreme to the other. For years, they were always the lower megapixels, now they're going to the other end. And mm -hmm. it seems to me like they, they're having difficulty finding that middle ground. It seems like, to be honest, it seems like they're having difficulty just listening to their user base. It yeah. seems like, I mean, there's no shortage of people telling them exactly what they want. And uh, for whatever reason, they're just not delivering it. Whereas Sony, on the other hand, not to like, play them up and be a fanboy constantly, but it seems like for the most part, they are trying to deliver on what the bulk of their users are asking for. Right. And I think that's the big difference. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I, it's not to knock Canon or Nike. I, at the end of the day, you're out there to create an image. Yes. And it doesn't matter what you're using. You're the Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Olympus. Completely agree. You know, um, but taking a good image shouldn't be predicated based off of yes. what brand you're exactly. shooting. Exactly. And it's more about the sensor. So it's less about the sensor size than, you know, composition. It's right. less about the, you know, you know, frame rate than it is about, you know, lighting or capturing emotion or whatever. But at the same time, like if I can get a piece of gear that's going to do more and make my job a little bit easier so I can focus more on right. those things like composition and lighting and working with the model and thinking about my background and have to think less about the tool that I'm using, like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the tool that simplifies me from getting from, you know, the idea to actually snapping the photo. Like I want to, I want to move through that process as quickly as possible, remove right. as much of the camera 
playing with that as much as possible and get to creating as quickly as I can. Right. To me, that's, that's the more fun part. Well, and you know, to that point, um, everybody <clears throat> says, oh, well, you have to be creative to be a photographer. I tell everybody, you know, these shots, it's 5% of its creativity. Yeah. I said, this is a blue collar profession. Yeah. I, you know, I don't care how you want to look at it, it is blue collar. And you if you do not color. want to drag your gear out there, you don't want to go hiking, you don't want to go to the, find those locations and put the time in and do the legwork, you're not going to get the shots. Right. You know, because those shots that don't take any effort our shots everybody gets. Exactly. And you I think know. that extends across all genres of photography, whether That's, it's landscape photography, yeah. whether it's portrait photography, cityscape photography, whatever it may be. Like, it's those shots where you go the extra mile and you do the thing that nobody else wants to do, like setting up the lighting and dragging it all out and getting there or going off that abandoned location or going to hiking up into the hills into that place where you can't just drive right, right. off the trailhead. You know, those are, are like, we're in the city environments. It's the people who are climbing up on top of roofs and trying to find the buildings where they can get up. Like, those are the photos that do set themselves apart. And, you know, I definitely don't advocate anybody breaking the law or doing anything that's get themselves injured. But at the end of the day, that really is kind of, you've got, you do have to find ways within reason to kind of push yourself and, and do the things that other people won't do because it's inconvenience or uncomfortable, for sure. Well, and the nice thing, too, so Gary, everybody says, why do you go to Gary? Why do you go to, go to Gary? Well, if you contact their film and tourism de department, yes. they will issue a permit can, for, $50, yeah. for $50, bucks, just $50. You can be there all day. They have 11 different locations that yeah. you can go to. For $50, you can set your gear up. You don't have to worry about cops coming and then running your way right, and right. then leaving $20,000 <laughs> worth of gear exactly, behind. Yeah. Um, it's the best $50. I, you know, Great America, I think, is $75. Yeah. I mean, give me a $50 permit pass to Gary. Give me a model, and right. I will be happy all exactly, day. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and again, and then you're, you're going out of your way. Yeah, it's not downtown Chicago. It's not pretty. It's not whatever. It's a little bit out of the way. But again, you're going somewhere that very few people tend to go. Because for one, you know, a lot of people just, you know, if it's not a nice kind of urban location, a lot of people are maybe afraid to go there or whatever. But I'm sure you Quite honestly, so I think Gary's safer than Chicago. Yeah. Not, I've heard a ton of people say that. I've, I've spent a little bit of time there, but not nearly as much as you have. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten the same impression from the little bit of time I've, I've spent around you know, there. The, the police department stops by. If they know you're going to be there, yep. you, you tell them in the permit office where you're going to be. Mm -hmm. They will send a, a police officer will drive by just to make sure everything's okay. Yep. I, you know, I, I absolutely love shooting there. I've shot yep. Mercy Hospital, uh, the train station, the church, which is now condemned, yes, and, which is very dangerous. And a matter yep. of fact, if there's anything that I can tell people, if you are thinking about going to that cathedral in Gary. Do not go there. It is not safe. It's condemned. The yep. floors are falling apart. Yep. Uh, people are getting seriously injured. And, yeah, and, and the uh, the roof really caved in like a year or two ago. Entirely caved in, yeah. and they put netting up, and that netting is now destroyed. Yeah. Um, the, the ground itself, the floor, the wood boards in there are deteriorating. Yeah, um, and it's a shame because that's a really, really cool oh, it's location. Beautiful it's beautiful location. Yeah, with beautiful that big stained location. glass window. Yeah, and yep. even when the window, even when the ceiling came in, there's been plenty of shots there, oh, yeah. where, especially at night, and you can see the stars. And oh, yeah. It's a really cool location. It's a, it's unfortunate that it's gotten such a such a condition. But. It was that big fire and then a snowstorm did it. Um, yeah, and the fire I think wasn't that with somebody spinning wool in there. I think. It, yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. another fucking thing that pisses me off. Where you get all these locations that uh, there's another one I think in Ohio that I burned another church or a school yeah. or something. It's that just people down, being stupid. Being stupid. Yeah, you're in these old buildings where things are dry rotted and dried out, and people are spinning wool at a few thousand degrees. And what do you think is going to happen? No. Yeah. Next thing you know, you'll have somebody spinning wool on top of a size skyscraper hanging right. over the edge just for a shot. Yep. And, you know, for what, Instagram fame? Right, yeah.
Yeah, there's definitely a limit to uh, again. Like you gotta you gotta deal within reason. I mean, yeah, it's it's maybe different. It's maybe something nobody else has done before. But at the end of the day, if it's gonna get yourself or somebody else killed or hurt, like it's not worth it. Right. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, you see a lot of that. And then this, the hard part for other people like us, you want to go out and actually shoot these locations, like legitimately, is it becomes harder and harder because then these communities, these you know municipalities, they start thinking, you know what, maybe we just shouldn't do it at all. Maybe right. we should just pull back all these permits and not allow people. Because people are just going to ignore the permits, go in there and destroy these places anyway, right. make it unsafe. And unfortunately, you do see that from time to time, which which definitely sucks. But yeah. but yeah, it is. Um, an unfortunate uh, reality in terms of people trying to get that Instagram, Instagram photo. But and you know, at the end of the day, what do those likes get you? Um, yeah. You know, you talk to photographers, and the uh, they can have a thousand likes on a photo. That doesn't lead to a paying job. Yeah, I, no. I don't know anybody that has gotten paying gigs off of Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Facebook's a little bit more productive if you're a photographer. I think a lot of the more serious models are on Facebook because mm -hmm. they can network a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but Instagram is, uh, you know, they, they eat your content, they make the profit off of yep. it, and, uh, and and let's not even get into how bad their compression is with color. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. It's amazing when you upload something and you look at it and like that's not what I remember <laughs> right. exporting. Like what the so, fuck happened? Oh, there's I've got to so check my eyes. There's so many times I'm like, should I just delete this shit? Like, yeah. like this does not. And then I, I look back at Photoshop. Post, and like, oh shit! Yeah. But, but now you can't delete it because if you delete it, then Instagram says, "Oh well, yeah. now we have to shadow ban you." Right. Right. Yeah. Or some other ridiculous <coughs> thing. Yeah. And like it's, it's all a bit ridiculous for sure. Um, I don't know Instagram. I love it and I hate it at the same time. It's yeah. it's a it's a love hate relationship for me for sure. I've met so many awesome people through Instagram, the community that's built around it. So many awesome photographers. And just people in general that I never would have met otherwise. Oh, but, for sure, for sure. Um, more than any other social media platform out there, I've met more people through it than any others. Like more real connections and more real people through it. And but. And, it, and not just locally. Yes. You know, there's there, I have now friends all around yes. the world yep. that I've never met, would have never met through of Facebook. Yep. And um, you know, they they comment on photos, they ask yep. questions, and you know, there yep. there is an actual. And then you they know. roll through town to visit, and then they oh, hit yeah. you up and like, hey, let's go shoot. Like, all right. And then you go out to other towns, like, all right, like I'm landing in, you know, Atlanta. Who do I know here? Like, oh yeah, there's this guy. Let's see yep. if he's free. And then next thing you know, like, it's it's you know, it's like been fantastic for yeah. that. But you know, other than that, it's God, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting interesting app for sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I think we'll just about finish up here, but. Okay. Um, kind of let things off um, or leave things off. I guess one last question for you. So mm -hmm. anybody who's new getting started into portrait photography, um, lighting, whatever, like what kind of tips would you give anybody who wants to get into kind of doing the type of work that you do, like the really vivid, the really beautiful, like professional, like magazine quality uh, uh, work? Boy, um, it's a process. Right. Um, you know, I, I can't say that there's one specific thing right off the bat. And that's but fine, but, yeah. it, but, but if you're going general. to do it, the first thing that I would say is get that speed light and get a modifier. Yep. I know for me, the biggest difference was when I started adding modifiers to my speed lights. Um, I had a couple of smaller ones mm -hmm. that I was using. Um, one was a strip box, another was an octabox. Uh, but, you know, they were 18 inches. Yes. Um, it wasn't until I took that speed light and put it into a... 30-inch softbox yeah. that I started noticing the difference. Um, so don't be afraid that like, and you can get a softbox for 45 bucks. Yeah, you know they're they're not expensive. Even on Amazon, yeah, you can go on Amazon, you can get them for yeah, 
you yeah. know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks for um, sure. And now they make the brackets for the Speedlight where if you have Bowens, uh, you yep. know, the, the little S-mount brackets, adopter. yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. So um, get that Speedlight, but get the softbox with it. Um, that's going to be the biggest thing because what you're going to start noticing is how you want to feather your light. Yep. Um, and once you learn that feathering of the light, then you say, okay, well, now I can go get a second speed light. And now I'm going to use that as a hair light. And then it's, okay, I've got that down. Let me get that third light. And then once you get those three, you've got a three-point system that when you're shooting with a model, you can move or the model can freely move in that right. studio based off of what you have as power settings. And you're going to go from having a very slow shoot to a very productive shoot that's going to get done faster and it's going to give you more options as to the photos that you're getting and the poses right. and expressions and just the highlighting and the shadows. Like for me, shadows are a big thing. Um, you know, it, when you're starting off, yeah, definitely it's, it's the modifiers. Um, I will say that there was a huge, huge difference in my photography maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, I went out and spent a ton of money on the egg crates for my modifiers. Okay, interesting. And once I did that, once I got the egg crates, I was able to pinpoint exactly where that light was going. Yep. So, you know, it's no longer the whole side of right. the cup. It's a sliver right. coming down the middle. That, for me, was a game changer. Um, so, you know, if you get the chance, and even if you're starting off, you know, get it with the get it with the uh, the A crate on there, yep. because you're going to see that you can now focus and concentrate that. And then you know, then it was the snoots, and then it was the beauty dish with the grid, and this grid, and that grid, and this right. grid. And so everything I do now is, oh, oh, I have at least two grids on everything uh, in every shot that I take. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's actually something I've never actually uh, used very much of. I've got one grid for one. Uh, one modifier, and I, I be honest, I, I rarely use it, but now you've got me thinking I need to uh, break it out and play with it a little Is bit it, more. You, yeah. you, it'll be night and day, and, and if you have your lighting down, even with your strobes and yep. the modifiers, toss a grid on there, you're going to notice a yep. huge difference. So you're going to say, oh my gosh, what was I doing for the last year and a half? <laughs> and, 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 and you look moments, at it, and yeah. it's, you know, those grids, they come, and it's a small little grid. Yeah, so um, the big thing is you look at those grids and you see some of the prices and it's like $300 for a grid. Right. Like, this is just fabric. Right. Um, and so I never bought them. And yep. I was like, I can't justify that. The softbox is $150 and this grid is $300. Yeah, that's immediately, that's like yeah. three times the cost. Right. I'm telling you right now, so worth it. Um, if you are looking just to even dabble with it, Godox makes one. You can get a parabolic for $90 and the grid comes with it. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, <laughs> big, 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 huge difference. Yeah, you got me convinced. Uh, it's something, like I said, I've, I've rarely used them, and yeah, I might actually look into that myself then. But it, I, I definitely agree with the modifier, though. Like, I've definitely, uh, I've had people show up to workshops, and they've got speed lights, and like, yeah, you know, I use the speed light here and there, and like, okay, how do you use it? And like, oh, mostly on camera or off on a stand by itself. And it's like, yeah, it's that direct light still. And it's like, it's yeah. such a small light source. Yeah. But as soon as you put it in something like a 30 or 36 inch, uh, you know, like a modifier, especially if you've got like a deflector plate in there, yeah, softens that light so much. It makes a world of a difference in the quality of light that you're getting. And, and I think that's where, you know, artificial lighting gets a knock is because yes. it, if you use it the right way, it's beautiful. It is. But, yeah. it, but if you're going to go bare bulb it, then of course you're gonna you know yeah. have things that look like well this looks right. artificial. Yeah, 
And that's the other thing that I get a lot of people saying is, well, one, it's the inconvenience of dragging on the gear around. Like, all right, well, that's fine. But if you want something different, like there might be some inconvenience with it. You just got to suck it up. But the other side that people say is they don't like the quality or they don't like the way it looks. Like if it, I don't know, that's the thing I've never understood. If you don't like the way it looks, like, are you? I think a lot of it has to do balance? with them not, exactly. Like, like, like you got to understand, yeah, like you've got to understand white balance. So if you understand that, right, then it should be fine. And honestly, most of these cameras nowadays, like they'll auto, like even if you've got on auto and you use a flash most of them can figure that out and right they'll, and they'll they'll actually correct it like after you take the photo right so you can have it on auto it thinks it's gonna be a daylight and shot even and even lightroom will fix it too and it'll fix it on, oh yeah and yeah. as long as you're shooting raw you can always go in and change right. the, the white balance afterwards and it's be fine. even with a jpeg you've got some latitude to change that afterwards as long as you're somewhat close but um but yeah i think a lot of people like i've never understood that like to me the quality of light is always so much better it's so even and it's so crisp and the sharpness uh, and the colors and the, the highlight in the eyes yeah. yeah the eyes pop like everything and like i've never understood people saying they don't like the way it looks to me like getting it only increases the visuals right. in every possible way and then the only way i could ever see it not is if yeah your white balance is right. completely screwy and they turn out way orange but <laughs> yeah. like right. just go back in and fix the white balance oh yep which, in my opinion, if you're doing portraiture anyway, I mean, you should be editing your photos and you should be correcting for skin cones anyway. So that's something I've never quite fully understood. The other thing, too, uh, if it's not necessarily speed lights, uh, because maybe that's a challenge, uh, pick up like one of the, the light strips, uh, yep. an LED. An LED, an LED yep. is a great way to learn uh, yeah, because sure. you can actually see yeah, for in sure. camera what you're getting. Yeah, and then a great way, a cheap way of diffusing that too is just get, like you've already got a diffuser. Like you've got one of the circular diffusers, one of the big rectangular ones. Like I, I use that all the time when I'm indoors. I've got an LED light. I'll just pop that guy in front instead of trying to put it inside on a bracket and a big old modifier. I could do that if I wanted to, but sometimes it's easier just to pop out a one-stop diffuser and like put it right in front of it and then that'll diffuse that LED yep. light even nice. An LED light tends to often be fairly diffuse already, but you throw a diffuser in front of it, and then it's just some of the softest light you'll ever see. Yep. I love it for product photography. It's a lot less retouching, too. A lot less, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I love lighting. I definitely, it's something that I, I wish I had the opportunity to do more of. It just seems like, uh, and that's the other downside to it. I feel like sometimes you, you roll up in locations, and it's just it's frowned upon. You get kicked out, and you need a yeah. permit. And that part can be hard, too, because depending, it can limit where you want to shoot, for sure. Um, you can't set up just quite anywhere, um, especially downtown Chicago. Right. Like, there's permanent police everywhere. They always oh, yeah. want you to pay some ridiculous fee to uh, to do anything that looks semi-professional. That is yeah. one that is one downside. It can be limiting where you can shoot, but uh, I definitely I definitely recommend it to anybody who's looking. At least at least try it. You know, right. like at least give it a shot. See if you like it. If you don't, that's fine. But I, I feel like with most people, if they actually gave it a real try and actually experimented with it for you know, gave it a real proper chance. I think most people would be able to find a way to work it into more yeah. of the photography for sure. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up there. And, okay. Uh, thanks for uh, being episode number one, my first uh, no, I guest. I appreciate I guess. it. I know it feels weird calling you my guest. I'm in your studio, but yeah. like, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's been great. It's been fun. And I'm definitely looking forward to doing more of these. And yeah, I appreciate uh, yeah, it. Yeah, looking forward to it as yeah. well. And thank you for having me be the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Cool, man. Thanks, Kevin. Awesome. All right.